everyone. Welcome to episode 79, Personal Development for Kids. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to listen. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. If everyone could see me right now, you would laugh so hard because I just cleaned out my closet. You know, I record from the closet because of the sound acoustics are so much better in here. It was a full-on gutting session. I'm like, I'm just going to knock this out. David's like, it won't take that long. Two days later, 15 bags of donations and probably 10 bags for garbage. It is a completely different closet. Oh my goodness. And it was so hard the entire process like seeing things for my teaching days for my childhood days for my kids like their birthing bracelets that I wore in the hospital what do you do with all that stuff there were so many decisions and little decisions that I had to make it was so overwhelming and it was so therapeutic at the same time I think I was in the river of misery and I think cleaning out my closet is exactly what the process is when we go through anything in life that involves change it's so hard all of it and it's supposed to be hard and you know what's harder having a messy closet because it was causing me so much agita every time i went to go get a pair of socks and my sister said your closet wasn't that bad and it really wasn't from outside appearances when you saw it it was just so cluttered it was so claustrophobic my clothes couldn't breathe and i found outfits i found clothes i found 40 dollars in one of my old purses and it felt so good just to donate it all but I remember thinking, my closet isn't that bad. It's not that bad. Just ignore it, just ignore it, just ignore it. But it wasn't causing me any joy when I would come and work from here because I have a desk in my closet. And I used to love it. It was like my little hobbit hole to kind of close everything off and just knock some work out. And then I stopped coming in here because I was like, that's not inspiring me. So I want you to think about an area of your life where it's causing so much agita behind the scenes that you don't even know it. And it's one of those things you don't know how much agita and mind space it's taking until you're on the other side of it. So it's kind of like if we're ever trying to tackle weight loss, we say the same thing. It's not that big of a deal. I guess this is just the way it is. But then when you tackle it and you lose the weight, which is so hard, then you're done and you're like, why didn't I do this sooner? Or if you build the business, or if you stop yelling at your kids, or you have more connection in your marriage, because either one, it's hard. It's hard cleaning out the closet, but it's harder to have a messy closet. It's hard to lose weight, but it's harder to not feel comfortable in your own skin. It's hard to build a business where you work from home and have time freedom, but it's harder to be on the hamster wheel. It's hard to be a conscious parent and pause before we react, but it's harder to sleep with mommy guilt. It's hard to be vulnerable in your relationship and open yourself up and possibly get hurt, but it's harder to live like roommates, brothers, sisters, where you're two ships passing in the night, hiding behind your walls. Both are hard. We get to choose the hard. So I want the closet to kind of be a reminder for us all because there was not one part of it that was enjoyable. And while I was doing it, I just kept listening to personal development. I was managing my mind. I was seeing how my mind just kept going. It's not that bad. Just do the closet hanging things first. You don't have to do the whole thing. Why'd you do this? This was dumb. Don't you want to take a nap? Go rest. It's Saturday. Relax. 
So it is actually a Saturday when I'm recording this, and David took Lily to a friend's house to play volleyball, and then he's going to my mom's to help her with some stuff, and then he's taking Grady golfing. So this is the first time I think I've been alone in the house since like March, because there's always someone here. There's always so much movement. I was like, I don't even know what to do with myself. This is amazing. And the number one thing I wanted to do was record this podcast. This is love. This is proof that helping you is the most addictive thing that I've ever done in my life because I have the house to myself. It's a Saturday afternoon. The weather is spectacular. And I'm sitting in my closet recording a podcast. And there's no place I would rather be. For real. Because I could be doing anything. And I want to be here so badly because what I'm going to share with you today will change your life if you open up your heart and you open up your mind and palms up and get ready to learn. So it's called personal development for kids because a lot of people ask me, like, how did you change your life from super stressed, on edge, eggshelly in the home to having harmony in the home and living in imperfections and not being a people pleaser? You have the same husband, you have the same kids, you have the same house. What changed? And I think about that question all the time because I'm like, what was it? I started in 2013 and I would say what changed the trajectory of my entire life was reading personal development. And I thought about it. I'm like, when I was in college or I'd go through a bad breakup, I would go to the bookstore and I would go to the self-help section and I would just read for hours at the bookstore. And so I'm like, why did I stop doing that? And I stopped doing that because life got in the way. I didn't make it a priority. It's kind of like we get so busy with helping other people that we don't ever help ourselves. And this isn't something that I did like I read one book. This was like an obsession. I read book after book after book after book after book. And people say, well, I don't have time to read books. I'm like, that's why you need to read the books. I didn't have any time to read the books either. But I found with reading the books and listening to podcasts and doing personal development every single stinking honking day, like I do my workouts, life started to change. And I saw it happening first when I got healthy and I lost weight. And that was like cleaning out my closet. I'm like, oh my gosh, I was doing cartwheels in Publix. I was so excited. Then I shifted my focus to parenting. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I have to share this with everybody. I love helping people lose weight. I love helping people stop yelling at their kids. And then after parenting, I would say the next step was probably the marriage, becoming a conscious wife. And then after that, it was organizing my house. And I couldn't believe the change, but nothing changed other than the books that I was reading. And I don't read actual books. I listen to them. I have an account on audible.com. There's lots of library books that you can check out that you can get on audio. I listen to books while I'm running, while I'm cleaning, sometimes before I fall asleep, sometimes when I wake up. To say I'm obsessed is an understatement. So the compound effect of reading books and listening to podcasts since 2013 was the most defining factor of what changed my entire life. Hands down, that was it. And there's different books you can read for different areas. So I always ask people, what is causing you the most agita in your life? What's causing the most stress? And I promise you there is a book out there for that subject. And the reason why is because that author went through the exact same struggle that you are on and they are on the other side of the struggle. They are on the other side of the river of misery and they are gonna teach you step by step by step how to get through the river of misery and onto the other side to having a cleaner closet. Now, this is not something that it's one and done. This is something that is ongoing. So I thought about that. And when I was teaching, I was always reading books to my first graders and to my students that came to my counseling office. I was always reading books about self-esteem, how to work hard, how to have self-control, what to do when you're caught lying, all behavior management and character development books. And so I thought, why do I expect my first graders to listen to this? But I'm not doing it myself. 
I have in my show notes, I'm going to give to you a little gift. And I have a list of books. This is why this podcast is always going to be plug and play. Always take the information, put it into your heart. And then how does it impact you? And then you share it with your kids. And so I have a list of books that I used to read to my first graders and to my kids when they were little for books for primary age, like A Bad Case of Stripes. I love the Berenstein Bear series. I'm Gonna Like Me, When God Made You, The Seven Habits of Happy Kids, I Won't Give Up, Giraffes Can't Dance, Powerful You by my friend Julie Frizzy, who has written so many books on so many different topics and illustrated them too also. I'm like, Julie, do you have a halo? Like you are unbelievable. She's created games for kids who are going through changing families and the families are getting divorced, how to breathe, stretch and grow. Like she just does it all. And so I think the more that we can share this with our kids and read to them, it will help them kind of create that mindset. And it also helps us give us the language to how to talk to them because then you can reference the different characters in the different books. Like in the book by Sean Covey, The Seven Habits of Happy Kids, they have like Lily the Skunk, Goob the Bear, Sophie the Squirrel, Pokey Porcupine, Tag Along Alley. And so when they're showing evidence of the different characters, the strengths and the struggles, you can reference that. So it's it's kind of like doing it with them and then referencing it with them when you're living your day-to-day. So there's lots of books we can read to our kids. There's lots of books that we can read for ourselves. I feel like a librarian. Like, you tell me I need help with money management. I'm like, Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey. I'll give you a list of books. I need help with self-esteem. I'm like, boom, boom. I need help with people-pleasing. I need help with being perfect, trying to be perfect. I'm like, I got a book. I got a book. I got a book. I'm like a triage nurse for books because I'm so obsessed with the topic of personal development that I love being able to pay it forward because that author has put in so much work and gone through the river of misery. So why not use them to our advantage and just absorb all of the information they have to give us so we go through the river of misery, but it's a little bit easier for us to go through and we'd have to go through it alone. And it helps normalize things that you're going through too. So I have lots of books if your kids are primary aged, reading them to them, and also you'll see them reading them on their own. And it kind of sets the priority in the family of like, this is important to us. And then I have lots of good books for kids who are grades three through five that they're kind of in that in-between zone of do they want to still sit on your lap and be read to or do they want to read them on their own? Grady's in fourth grade and he still likes to be read to. So he and David read books and sometimes he'll read the books on his own and he just does it for fun, just for play. And then when they get to middle school and beyond, they get in this place of like, what? You're not going to read me a story? Are you kidding me? But you still want that learning to happen because when you think about raising a child, I want you to think about it as like building a house. And when you're building a house, there's like steps to it. You find the land, you till the soil, then you start to do the framing. Then you start to put in the doors and the windows and the roofing and the siding and the insulation and the drywall. Then you start painting. Then you start doing the electrical. Then you're doing the cabinets. Then you're finishing the plumbing. Then you're making sure the water is hooked up. And of course, you have to have a septic system to get out all the junk. So the same thing happens when we're raising a child. When you think about it like building a house, depending on their age and their stage, you want to be filling that with so much goodness and so much happiness and everything that you want them to absorb. So then when they're older, they don't have to go and rip out all the drywall to make all the repairs. So when you think about it that way, and remember, we have 60,000 thoughts a day and 80% of those default to the negative without mind management. And 90 to 95% of those thoughts are unconscious thoughts, meaning there are thoughts that we've thought so many different times that we just think are automatic. Sometimes they can be ants, automatic negative thoughts. And so when we think about that, most of our thinking and our programming 
and our conditioning and our brainwashing came from when we were a child and we were a teenager and we were a tweenager. So when we think about our kids, we are writing on their unconscious brain right now. We are washing their brain, so to speak. We are conditioning them. They think that this is the only way. They're not even thinking about questioning it. Grady's 10 and in fourth grade, and he's not even questioning, not even a nanosecond questioning the ELVES that are flying around the house every night and randomly showing up in the house. And he doesn't even think to question it. It doesn't even cross his mind because they believe whatever we tell them, which is a super, super empowering way to think about. We are laying down the electrical in their house. These are thoughts that they're going to think when they're grown and flown. So I started to think about this for, you know, Lily's in seventh grade and personal development was so powerful for me. So how now that she doesn't want to sit on her lap and read anymore, how can I make it a win-win where she reads the books, but she gets what she wants too? So I got this idea from Caleb Maddox, who writes a series of personal development books for kids. And I was reading a lot of his books to the kids when they were little, and they're really, really good. They're written towards them in their language, topics that they can relate to, topics that we don't even think they're dealing with. I mean, they have a whole social media aspect of life that we never dealt with, of seeing their friends being at parties that they weren't invited to. When I was a kid, I was probably not invited to every party every weekend, but I didn't even know. So they're dealing with just a whole different slew of issues that we don't really know about, or I don't really know about. So these books have been helping me understand life from their point of view a little bit more. So Caleb Maddox has this video out, and he said, my parents never made me do chores. I was like, wait, what? He said, my parents never made me do chores, and it was the best decision they ever made, or something along those lines. And so I clicked on it, and he said, my parents paid me $20 for every personal development book I read. And I was like, huh, that's pretty cool. Because they have so many books meant for kids, but how can you incentivize it for kids? Because we're writing on their slate of who they are. We're writing on their electrical. We're dropping the foundation. So around 11 or 12, Lily was begging for a cell phone. Begging, 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 begging. All my friends have it. She had a track phone, which I think is a great practice phone. It's a phone you get from like Walgreens. They're like those burner phones. It was like $20, $20 for the phone and then $20 a month for the service. And she could text me because once she got in middle school, she was walking home. I had to pick her up from certain areas. And so I just kind of needed to be in communication with her, you know, what time she was left out because they have staggered dismissal from school. So when she started asking for the phone, I was like, hmm, how can we make this a win-win that she gets a phone? And how about these books? Getting her the phone wasn't really jamming me up. Paying the monthly service fee every month of like, you know, 60, 70, $80 a month, what was jamming me up? Because she's like, I'll save the money. I'll buy the phone. She had it all picked out. But for me, it wasn't actually the money of buying the phone. It was the monthly service. So I said, well, you know, she doesn't have a job. She's 12. So what if she paid for the service by reading personal development books. I didn't want to make it where it was a punishment. I wanted to make it more of an incentive. Like, here's your phone. You can have your phone. And then if you want more bells and whistles for your phone, then you can earn it by paying for it and not giving us money, but giving us maybe a summary of a book that you've read about personal development. So we came up with this contract. We always said, you'll get a phone when you're 13. I have no idea why I came up with that number. I just thought, we'll get a phone when we're 13. So we came up with the contract and I kind of tiered it like we're Verizon customers. So with Verizon, you can pay a certain amount for this level phone of having limited texts, limited data. And so I kind of tiered it the same way where she could have the basic plan, the deluxe plan, or the premium plan. But it wasn't if you don't read the books, you get your phone taken away. But it was more, you get the basics of your phone if you don't want to read any. And that's fine. You can text, you can call, you can have access to maybe one app. And so it was tiered that way with the basic plan, the deluxe plan, and the premium plan. And so when she was 11, we said, 
You can read these books and do the summaries and we can practice. But the number one thing that I did not want to do was I did not want to monitor. I didn't want to remind. I didn't want to nag. Because if she showed us that she was going to be able to do it without reminders, kind of get in the habit, so to speak, then she was going to be able to show us that she could have it before 13. And if you saw the video of her getting it when she turned 12, because around 11, she practiced and practiced and showed us, practiced and showed us. And the summaries do not have to be written for us. The summaries are more, she might tell me in the car. Sometimes she boxes me. Sometimes she'll do a voice memo. Sometimes she texts me the summaries. And the whole reason for the summaries is because I don't want to make sure that she's read it. I want to know how she's going to apply it to her world. Like she read The Power of I Am by Joel Osteen and she that's she says is one of her favorite books. And she said it's really helping her in volleyball with her serve because instead of saying, I can never get my serve over, she's like, I'm going to get the serve over. I'm strong. I'm powerful. She says these things before she makes her volleyball serves. Or she said, well, I was playing Among Us and I kept saying, I'm going to be the imposter. I am the imposter. I, am. I guess that's a really cool thing to be in Among Us. And so she's using it for her day to day. And so that's what the summaries are for to see how she's going to apply it. Now, I don't ever ask her to do anything that I'm not doing. She knows I'm reading personal development. She knows I'm obsessed. She's like, oh my gosh, you are so addicted to personal development and quotes and images. And, and so I always tell people, if whatever you want your kids to excel in or you want them to have as their mindset or you want them to have as a habit or as a character trait, the number one thing that you can do to make that happen is just to embody it. And if you embody it and you model it, not model it like look at me, but it's just part of who you are in your DNA, then it is absorbed from you naturally. I love the quote, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I don't want you to worry about the apples anymore. Just focus on the tree, your side of the street. And when you do that, you kind of take the pressure off of them and let them live their best life and that there is no one way of living. There's so many different ways of living. And so these books are written for kids. And I have an example of her favorites. She just read Power of I Am by Joel Osteen. She said that's probably one of her favorites. Caleb Maddox, C-A-L-E-B-M-A-D-D-I-X, has an amazing series like How to Have Unstoppable Confidence, People Skills for Kids, Keys to Success for Kids, How to Be a Positive Kid. Because this is when I think they need personal development more than ever. Because when it's younger, it's so focused on kindness and say please and thank you. But they're dealing with so many things that they don't always want lectures from mom and dad. And that's when they pull away the most. They spend more time in their rooms. They spend more time journaling. They're, they're not with you as much. So when they're away from you, you want them filling their minds with things that really don't necessarily come from you, but they're impacting them. Because a lot of times I'll tell her the same things and she's like, oh my gosh, stop life coaching me. That's so annoying. I'm not a first grader. Stop counseling me, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's kind of like I'm Charlie Brown's teacher, like, wah, 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 wah. And so that's when they need you less but they need help the most. So they're pushing you away when they're tweens and teens, but they need help the most because they're kind of free fallen. So this is kind of a way to help them kind of get their mind right. And it's coming from another place other than Charlie Brown's teacher. Because I could say something a hundred times and then she could tell me, I just read this cool thing about a book that when you are trying to do something like your serve, I was like, bro, I have said that 7,000 times, but it's for mom. Or she'll say her teacher at school or she'll say her faith leader at church. I'm like, um, but when you're ego free, you're like, oh, isn't that awesome learning stuff like that? Because you're not, you don't have an ego. You just know that it's repeating something said a different way and it clicks. And it clicks because it's not for mom and dad. Where when they're younger, everything hangs on what mom and dad say. Like Grady, he still thinks we hung the moon. So everything we say is gold and it's like, 
whatever you say, there's a unicorn in Paris, okay. There's ELVES flying around our house tonight, okay. Meanwhile, Lily's the one doing it every night, hiding them and having a ball with it. And it's like, we feel guilty. And it's also super sweet to see how impressionable they are and how undeveloped his brain is in the sweetest, most innocent way possible. So it's very bittersweet. It's like we feel guilty, but then we're also very in tune with how impressionable they are. And they're still super impressionable when they're teens and tweens, but they're not as vulnerable with us, if that makes any sense. So some other books, and I have a whole slew of these, because she reads probably two or three a, a month, and then Grady's reading them, sometimes with David, sometimes he reads them on his own. And we'll just give him an IOU. Because he doesn't have a phone yet, we use it more for he was trying to earn a Nintendo Switch. Then he was trying to earn a Nintendo Switch game. And they still have to do their chores. We just don't give them money for chores unless it's like they wash our car. So they have chores that they quote unquote have to do. And I'll do another podcast about that. And then there's chores that are extra credit and they can do any time for some extra cash. And then this is a way like 20 bucks for a 10 or a 12 year old is big money, huge money. And my friend Julie Frizzy also wrote a book called Self-Talk Power. And of course, Powerful You, which is so good because it talks about different characters and how to bring out the best character within yourself. Jay McGraw has some books. He's Phil McGraw's son. Life Strategies for Teens. Smile and Succeed for Teens. Chicken Soup for the Kid's Soul. Lily really liked that one because it was a lot of short stories. The Relationship Guide. How to Break Up with Your Phone. Like, how great is that title? And it's not just to kick it to the curb, but it's how to have a healthy relationship with your phone. There's also a series called Smart Girls Guide. And there's titles like Drama, Rumors, and Secrets, How to Manage Them. There's another series from American Girl, A Girl's Guide to Sticky Situations. There's another one called A Girl's Guide to Knowing What to Say. The Middle School Makeover. That's another title. Self-Coaching 101. Hello. Smile and Succeed for Teens. Did I already say that one? So I think you kind of get the point. And Grady, he had an example. He's like, you know, you use the Sherlock Holmes technique when you're trying to um, fit in on the playground. I'm like, what? Sherlock Holmes? He's like, yeah. If you see them all talking about something, you pretend like you have a magnifying glass in your brain. And then they're all talking about, you know, different things like sports or, and they're in a circle and you want to kind of join them, but you don't really know how to. So you find something that's similar and you put out your magnifying glass. So if they start talking about basketball, you could say something like, oh, I have a hoop at my house. Do you have one? I would have never thought to teach him that. Like, where'd you learn the Sherlock Holmes technique? He's like, oh, from that book you had that Lily gave me. I was like, that's amazing. And then he's like, and there's this other technique. If like I'm playing basketball and then I can't remember the title of it. It was in the get along book. He's like, if you're playing basketball and then some dude comes up to you and this is Grady talking and some dude comes up to you and he's like, you're terrible at basketball. Instead of like fighting him back, I think it's called the maybe baby technique or something along those lines. It's a super cute title. And again, kid friendly. I'm not a kid. I can't talk like a kid. I can sometimes think like a kid, but these books are geared towards kids. And then he said, and then he said, if someone comes up to you and says, you're bad at basketball, you've thrown five times and missed them all. And then Grady says, all you have to say is, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. And you keep playing. I was like, oh my gosh, that's genius. He's like, yeah, because you don't want to stand up to him, but you also don't want to like let him run you over and be a doormat. Because sometimes we teach our kids to be kind to everyone. And then also it creates this like doormat technique, like be nice to everybody at all costs. And kindness is important, but also boundaries are too. Because then you just create people pleasers as kids. They go from parent pleasers to people pleasers. So I want you to think about these books. Know that there's books for all ages, all stages, all situations, all genders. And whatever their age is, think about a way that you can incentivize it for them, that it's a win-win, that they're doing it and they actually enjoy it. 
They're not doing it out of obligation. It just becomes a part of who they are. You know, 10 minutes a day over 30 days is 300 minutes of personal development. Because the reason why we exercise is because we want to get our body right. The reason why we want to read personal development is because we want to get our mind right. Because 80% of our thoughts will go to the negative without mind management. Now, I don't want you to have destination addiction where you think like reading these books will solve all the problems. Reading these books helps the problems get easier but they don't go away and they're not supposed to go away. Stress is part of the human experience and stress means that you care. Worry means that you care, but how can we channel that stress and worry in a positive way versus a way that it makes you lay on the couch and feel overwhelmed every day? So it gives yourself a sense of empowerment and then we can give that same sense of empowerment to our kids because then they can apply it to all the things, whether it's volleyball, whether it's striking out on the baseball field, getting an F, being left out of a group, how to earn money, like all these life strategies that they need. And we spend so much time teaching them how to add, subtract, multiply, read, hours upon hours upon hours. How much time are we spending on managing our emotions, teaching about grit, teaching about character, teaching about doing the right things when no one's looking, not doing it for the cookie, not doing it for the sticker, but doing it because of the intrinsic value that it brings. How much time are we spending on that? I think that's more important than the reading and the writing and the math Because if you have the social skills and you have the emotional intelligence, then it ripples into all the other areas of intelligence that we're trying to teach. I couldn't care less about straight A's. I want emotional intelligence first because that'll make the straight A's be easier. And then when they get C's or they get these, they're like, oh, this isn't a reflection of me. This is a reflection of my effort. This is just information. This is just data for me. But a lot of times kids use the grades as a way to measure their worthiness and their value. So when we teach emotional intelligence first at the root and emotional literacy, then all the other things are so much easier and they feel so much more natural. And it's not like pushing a rock up a hill because they're given the skills and the strategies to manage the tricky emotions, to manage the strikeouts, to manage the volleyball not going over the net when it's the winning point and it's your serve. How do we manage that? It's easy to manage the emotions when we hit the serve over. It's easy to manage the emotions when we get straight A's. It's easy to manage the emotions when we hit the home runs and the bases are loaded. Those are easy breezy, lemon squeezy. What do we do when we strike out? What do we do when we're left out? What do we do when we get an F? What do we do when it's the winning point and it's my serve and I don't hit it over? What do we do then? Let's equip them with the strategies for that and write on the emotional DNA of who they are first because it takes 10,000 hours of repetitive practice to master a skill. Are we spending 10,000 hours when we're laying down the electrical, when we're laying down the plumbing, when we're putting in the carpet, when we're putting in the walls? Because when they're teens and tweens, they don't come running to us anymore. It's fight, flight, or freeze. And when they're in the hoodies, hiding behind the headphones, they're locked and loaded. They are miles away from us. So as we're writing on their DNA, as we're writing on the slate of who they are, as they're laying down their own plumbing, when they're young, we have a lot of input. When they get older, they pull away and they're supposed to pull away. That's part of the way that they grow their wings and fly. And then we are just literally the wind beneath their wings. I know that sounds cheesy, but Bette Midler nailed it with that song. I danced with my dad at our wedding for a reason for that song. That was no accident because that song is exactly our role as they get older. They're supposed to pull away. They're supposed to branch off. They're supposed to create their own tree. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree and the apple will fall from the tree and then they create their own tree. And that's part of the human experience. They're here with us for 940 Saturdays 
from the time that they're born to the time that they're grown and flown. What do we want to fill in their drywall, in their electrical, in their plumbing, in their carpets? So then when they're 25, 35, they're going to make tweaks. They're going to have to fix up their house. But do we want them ripping out the drywall, ripping out the electrical, starting all over, starting from scratch? So when we're conscious and we're intentional about it and we are doing the thing we're asking them to do, figuring out a way that it's a win-win for them and a win-win for you, that's when life becomes super fun because then it becomes a habit for them, a habit for you, and then that's the electrical that they are filling in their own house as they're getting older. So look at the show notes. I will post all of the books. I'll show you the contract, but please make it fun. Make it light. Make it light and fluffy. This is not a punishment. This is not a demand. This is not a reward. It's almost like the way that we pay our bills. Verizon doesn't call me and say, hey, you going to pay your bills? We're in the month of December. She's paying now for her January bill. And she doesn't pay, that's okay too. Nothing's gone wrong. She just has a smaller plan that month. She just has limited text instead of unlimited text. She has limited data instead of unlimited data. But she still has what she wants, just a smaller version of it. So figure out a way, put this into your heart, and then put it into practice that works for you guys. I hesitate to even share plans that we do because then you think that this is the way, but I want you to take this idea, put it in your heart, Put it in your noggin. Your brain is going to want to spin out in overwhelming confusion. And then you're going to say, oh, I see you, brain. I know you want to spin out in overwhelming confusion. There's a book for that. And then you put it into practice that works for you guys. And then you can be the wind beneath their wings. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting boot camp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com and if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.